You might think that your family has problems, but let me guarantee you they probably, at least I doubt it, have as many problems as Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob. Perhaps no bigger problem is than what we see in Genesis 27. Now, my Bible says this is Isaac blesses Jacob. I think that's kind of selling it short. This is Jacob stealing the blessing from Isaac. And this is a really familiar passage. So people have a lot of thoughts on it. And what I want to do is defend at least one person in this passage that I think gets overly criticized, and that's Rebecca. Rebecca oftentimes... People hate on her. She's, she's like a devouring mother stereotype. She is a schemer. She's a conniver. There's very little good said about Rebecca, especially in regards to Genesis 27. I was reading just yesterday. Someone talked about even the fact that Rebecca quickly agreed to leave her homeland and come with Abraham's servant is an example of how hasty she was. And I just, I disagree. I think if anything Rebecca in that passage is being presented as a new Abraham, as a female Abraham. She quickly goes and leaves her homeland to go to a place she's never been. She's following the Lord's promises. And here in Genesis 27, I think we can miss out on what the text is telling us about Esau. We sympathize with Esau. We sympathize with Isaac. We think they got taken advantage of. But does Genesis really present Esau as someone worth sympathizing with? You think about how Esau is described, a man of the field, a mighty hunter. Those two phrases which should ring bells. They should dr- bring us back to Cain, another man of the field, and they should bring us to Nimrod, the first mighty hunter who is in the cursed line of Ham and is the founder of the city of Babel. These are not things that we should look at and be like, okay, Esau's a good guy. Not only that, we often think, well, Esau was taken advantage of. He had the birthright. He was hungry, but the passage never condemns Jacob for it. It's Esau who is said to despise the birthright. And what was that birthright? That birthright is the promises of God. It's God's covenant with this family. Moreover, this, our passage is, is, has these two references to Esau's wives, these Hittite women. Esau's wives just made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. And this is not what Abraham wanted for Isaac. Abraham sent his servant back to Haran to get a wife for Isaac from his own family because he did not want Isaac to intermarry with the women of the land. And yet this is exactly what Esau has done. And we almost have a contrast between Esau's wives and Rebekah here. Esau's wives make life bitter. They threaten the covenant. Rebekah in this passage is going to work to keep God's promises and word. Think about Genesis 25. Rebecca has this war in her womb where Esau and Jacob, the, the fight has already begun in the womb. They're wrestling and she goes to the Lord. She says she inquires of the Lord and the Lord himself tells her in Genesis 25, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. And this is the key part. The older shall serve the younger. That's key because we look at what Isaac wanted to give as a blessing to Esau. Let people serve you. This is in Genesis 27. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Who is his brothers? We don't know of any others except for Jacob. Isaac wants Jacob to be the servant. 
He wants Jacob to be lorded over by Esau. This is specifically against what God says. I think Isaac deserves a great deal more scrutiny than we give him here. And then look at what he has left for Esau at the end of this passage. Esau has that phrase where he asks if there's any blessings left. And this is what he says. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Isaac was seeking to cast out Jacob, seemingly. It was all going wrong here. Isaac is going, rebelling against God's word. He's doing exactly the wrong things. The text talks about Isaac being blind physically. He's old and blind physically, and he's spiritually blind. I think that's clear from the text. He is ruled by his appetites. Why does he love Esau? Because he makes good food. Because Esau is this capable and mighty warrior, whereas Jacob is this soft-handed man who dwells in tents with his mom. He doesn't think Jacob can take over what this family is called to. He doesn't think Jacob can take over the covenant. And so he's going to cut Jacob off and put Esau in place in direct rebellion to what God said. And so Rebecca overhears this. Notice she overhears it. It's secret. Rebecca overhears this and she goes into action. She prepares a plan and it is her pushing the for the action forward, not Jacob. Jacob's scared. Jacob's like, what if I'm seen as mocking my father and he curses me? What does Rebecca say? Let that curse be on me. Rebecca here is willing to die for the sake of God's will and word. She's willing to die to preserve the covenant. Now we know God could preserve the covenant in whatever way he wants. But I, I just want to point out here the sacrifice that Rebecca is willing to make here. Because we can gloss over that and just think, oh, she's just a schemer. She's just a conniver. No, Rebecca is concerned that Isaac not make a fatal mistake. And so she puts this plan into action. And and the covenant is ultimately preserved by deception. And we we struggle with this. How, How could this be right? A lie. And I think it's possible that this fits into a pattern that we sometimes see in Scripture Think about the Hebrew midwives. Think about how they lied to Pharaoh about the birth of the Hebrew baby boys. Think about Rahab concealing the spies. Think about Jael or even Bathsheba plotting to get her son Solomon on the throne. These are all instances where there's a little bit of moral ambiguity to whether it's right or wrong, but ultimately it's the way God uses to carry out his plans and to preserve his people and to preserve his promises. And I think it's possible that this is exactly what is happening here, that Rebecca is being used by God. And we already know that's the case, but that God is blessing this action because this is his intended outcome. That Isaac would ultimately be chastened by what Rebecca does. And that is what we see in Genesis 28. Isaac blesses Jacob again. But ultimately, this family is a great example that God will use imperfect people to bring about his perfect plans. This is what the culmination of the Joseph story is. Joseph says to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And and that should be a great encouragement to us because we have imperfect circumstances. We have wrongs done for us and we do wrong as well. But we can trust that God will use those things 
to bring about his perfect plan.